Hello, and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip, innovations that changed everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible, and ultimately pushed them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation from marketing. Moneyball for growth-oriented businesses, we say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to What Makes Them Tip, innovations that changed everything. I'm Jeff, and once again, I'm here with the privilege to talk to amazing people who are truly innovating in their particular entrepreneurial space, and we get a chance to hear their stories. While today's guest spent a lot of time as an information architect and an award-winning digital strategist working with both corporate and nonprofit clients in experience and instructional design, business analysis, project managing, and eventually became the first employee and executive VP and now CEO of Think Company. Please welcome Russ Stark. Welcome. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Oh, no. We're grateful that you're here. Now, uh, usually right here at the beginning of the show is where I ask you, what is Think Company? What do you guys do there? Sure, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, Think Company, you know, at a high level, we're, we're a digital design and development company, but we also do all the kind of research and strategy work that is absolutely critical for, you know, the digital transformation and service design work that we do, you know, for our clients. So, even though we come from a digital background and we go really deep on digital, um, we really want to look at things a little more holistically than that, because really, you know, what clients are hiring us to do is help them provide the absolute best customer experiences and employee experiences, right? Mm. And in 2021, that is almost always going to be a mix of both digital and non-digital touch points. So even though we go really deep on the digital and, and people sometimes want us to work on a specific digital product or platform, we're still asking a lot of meddlesome questions about the broader environment into which that thing is being launched. Mm-hmm. And we're making recommendations kind of along that whole continuum. And that's that's one of the things that kind of sets us apart is that we don't tend to be transactional in an agency type way. I mean, we really tend to plug in on a partnership kind of level and, and stay with people for a number of years, just tackling new challenges together. That's awesome. Now, and now you guys have been doing that for how long now? Uh, yeah, this we're in our 14th year. We'll be 14 uh, in September. Awesome. And you were employee number one, basically, one of the first employees that came along. Um, before we get into kind of like, that. Tell us yeah. a little bit about what you were doing before, because uh, you have a vast array of experiences and, sure. and seem to be working in a lot of different places. Tell us about, um, I guess, what you did before and, and why that was your passion, I guess. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and the co-founders and myself kind of similarly, like we all jumped around to a whole bunch of different agencies and consulting firms in the Philadelphia area. Um, and uh, and they were more on, on kind of like the graphic design visual side of things. And I came to it more from the interaction and interface design side. Mm. And, and, and to the point you made, like I started in uh, instructional technology when it was very, very young. Uh, and when a lot of these things that we now all take for granted, like there weren't really terms for a lot of it. Um, so I, so because of that, I, I had the opportunity to move around a lot. And so over the years I did, you know, then I got into web design and I, and, and digital project management and information architecture and kind of all the facets of 
you know, of, of digital design and development overall, although not development. And, uh, and I, and I, I mean, I know of it, but I am not good at it. And, uh, <laughs> And same thing with the aesthetic. I can weigh in on aesthetic, but I can't create. Uh, I can't. I can't. I can't push the pixels around in a way that's beautiful, you know. But I think that's important, right? Is knowing what you're what you're good at, and and yeah, you know, after touching all those different pieces of it, um, you know, you start to develop quite quite some acumen over time, and and uh, I, I think that's what you said. Like, you know, then how did it become Think Company, right? Well, well, yeah. I mean, tell me a tell me a little bit about instructional design work. Sure. Like, like what exactly kind of things were you doing for? folks who might not completely know like what that is. Yeah, sure. What were you doing exactly? Yeah, and specifically I was I was in instructional technology. So so instructional design is is you know the theory of kind of how people learn and and, mm. and helping and so it's training, right? Sure. Um and, and and that takes a lot of different different forms. Um when I first started in the industry what I was doing was simulation based training. So it was actually pretty advanced for its time. It was kind of like video games for adults mm. where they could practice soft skills and practice things in, in, in an environment where, you know, their consequences wouldn't harm them or their career, but they could see how certain things might, might, might play out. Right. Sure. Um, you know, very much like choose your own adventure kinds of things, but in the business space. Right. Uh, and then, you know, I did that for, for, you know, several years, four or five years, and then got more interested in just digital interaction overall and digital experience. And then that blossomed into, Okay, digital experiences is, is is awesome, but it's it's something that that it, it it empowers people. It doesn't take the place of people. So, what is the interface and what is the right relationship between digital touch points and non digital touch points and holistic experiences for people? You know. Yeah, and then that that seems to be some of the focus of what Think Company is trying to do, right? That yeah, right. And like Think Company, you know, it's probably not a super uncommon story. Just in that, like, you know, after doing that for ten to fifteen years. Myself and and Brian and Carla, two co-founders, we started collecting instances of things that we didn't like about how the places we worked treated employees and treated customers. Mm. And kind of, you know, after a while, built an, up enough of a bank there that it was like, okay, these things are concerning to us, and we either are going to go do something else entirely or create the kind of company we want to work at that treats people and clients this way. Yeah. And that was really the germ of of Think Company. Like that's where that came from was us saying, hey, like, I think we've learned enough about this now that we can take a run at this ourselves and try to do it differently than others have done it. Yeah. What can I ask what kind of things you were experiencing that you wanted to see change that kind of, kind of, you know, I guess, inspired this, this. Sure. Yeah. I mean, for you guys. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's, there's certainly a lot of them, but maybe, maybe the simplest one is, and you still hear flavors of this sometimes, but I think the one that drove us the most nuts was, you know, where you'd have a team that would go and build something digitally. And then they would come to us and say, Hey, this thing is basically done. Can you throw a little UX on this? Like, like we would get, and it was like, Oh my, no, that's the opposite of how you do this. You start by objectively figuring out who this target audience is building this thing for their, you know, wants, needs, workflows, pain points, you know, building it like that from the beginning and the development happens down the line. You don't, you don't put UX on it later. Right. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. that was that was probably the biggest one. There were a lot of little things around, you know, how uh, how we might treat employees differently or or or. But uh, but I think a lot of that, the common term there in both treating employees and treating clients was transparency. Gotcha. Because we did work in agencies and places where there was always like a black box. Like, well, you can't talk about your rate or you can't talk about this or you can't talk about the actual cost or how many hours, you know, all those kinds of things. And 
you know, I, I mean, I just think in life in general, the more that you're keeping secrets, um, there's a reason why you're doing that. And it's usually because you can't defend it. And mm-hmm. like, I, I just, I can't sleep like that. So our whole thing was let's, let's be as transparent as we can be internally and externally. It takes all that weight off. It really builds strong relationships and strong partnerships. Let's, let's do it that way. Um, and that, and that's been, you know, uh, something that we've been doing ongoing. Yeah. And so you got, you guys initially started this, how did you go to market, I guess, and start kind of like getting yourselves out there? What was the, yeah. what was the impetus there? Yeah. So, I mean, we were lucky enough in that um, we had made enough of a name for ourselves over the years with clients and things that we had an opportunity, luckily, um, to work for a client, you know, who we're still very, very close with. And we call her client zero. Mm. And she said, listen, like, I know you guys are talking about starting your own thing. How about you do it here? Assemble a team, have me be your first client. And I want you like dug in and then in your nights and weekends, you can start building the rest of your business and you'll have this as a foundation. And it was, you know, yes, thank you very much. So they gave us, uh, you know, kind of a windowless storage room uh, uh, on site with them. And we were in there for several years. And then it was nights and weekends trying to build up, uh, you know, the message to go and get other other clients. And and uh, and we did that. We did do that. Yeah. And then uh, what were you guys kind of doing at that time? to, I guess, innovate and set yourselves apart to kind of like make yourselves different when you would greet these new clients? Yeah, sure. Well, it it really like even our first client who actually 14 years later is still a client, that right there and the way in which we were working with them was a differentiator from the get-go because it wasn't kind of that like transactional agency model where it's like, you know, uh, you know, not not to talk too far out of school, but it's kind of like, you know, you price it as high as you can and the team is incented to get done so that the company keeps the margin. And like, Mm. we never liked that, right? It was more because what you're incenting there is being finished, not doing the best work. Mm. And so for us, it was always about, look, let's scope this thing out so people have a sense of what this is going to cost. It's not just a blank check, but then let's work against this together. Let's try and manage the budget against that. So it's not this game of like, whoa, that, oh, that's something new. Let's change order you and all of that kind of thing. And so we built deep partnerships that were not these transactional one and done, try to get as much as you can and then go find the next one. Cause, cause that's a fuse that burns out after a while. Mm-hmm. And actually many of the people that we tried to emulate when we started, those companies are gone now. Um, but we're still around and proudly independent. And uh, you know, now we're like about 110 folks and that's a big change from when it was three of us in that, in that, <laughs> room, you know, sure. doing something right. Yeah. Were there any other moments or I guess tipping points throughout the the time that you can speak to to kind of, uh, I guess, drove that innovation or drove you to kind of do things differently? Yeah, I mean, so certainly that partnership model is a big one, right? And, and that does set us apart. And, and a lot of folks kind of don't know how to do it or don't really have the stomach for it, but but it's it's been great for us. And and it means that we're not a super high margin business, but it but it but it's been great for us and great for the people who work here. And and that was part of it, right? Um an innovation in terms of a tipping point was certainly, you know, kind of applying our process back to ourselves, right? Where, um, you know, it's easy to say things. One of our mantras is that there's no I in design. And this little mm-hmm. nugget anyone can take away is that if you're if you're embarking on anything and you're saying, well, if this were me using it, I would do this, or I want this, or I think it should. If you're starting a lot of sentences with I, that's a big red flag. Mm-hmm. Because even if you're a member of the target audience, and sometimes we are, that's an N of one, right? We want to know more broadly, who are we serving? Um, and so, you know, when we applied that to ourselves, we wanted to stay in the suburbs where we were initially uh, and wanted to grow the company out there. But 
we started getting a lot of pushback from from people who wanted to live in the city and wanted to be in the city. And, and, uh, and so when we finally said, no, it's time for us to kind of take on everything it means to punch into the city. Um, that was a huge turning point for us. And, you know, we had a slow slope up to that point, but at the time that we actually took the big, what was pretty, a pretty big risk at the time and opened an office downtown in Philadelphia, right in the heart of center city, a big expense, a big risk. That's when the hockey stick started. Because suddenly we were able to really attract the younger talent, the folks who wanted to be in the city um, that you, you can you can see it clearly on our timeline that that's when things really took off. And it was just listening to, you know, what the talent marketplace was asking for. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about the talent there as far as like what's your employee engagement and culture like? Yeah. I mean, the culture is, is, is a big thing for us, no doubt. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, there's about 110 of us now, most in kind of the greater Philadelphia area, although now that is expanding a lot more. Uh, we've kind of proven that we can do it from anywhere and with anybody, especially during this last year, even if we sure. were hesitant to before, right? Or if clients were hesitant to. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the clearest indicator of who we are as a company and what our culture is, um, and again, you know, like so many people have said, you can't you can't push that downward. You have to live it. You have to show it. But you also have to let it, you know, kind of be crowdsourced by the people who are there. And I think the clearest indicator of that is is the core values that we published on our site, which are not just things that we said and we throw up on the wall and then set and then break the handle off and say, yeah, we're done. We've done that. That's who we are. They're aspirational every single day, but they guide everything we do. And it's, you know, very quickly, it's it's be honest, be kind be of service, be excellent, work together and continuously improve. And we've got a lot of detail about what each of those things mean to us, but those are baked into the way we evaluate our performance as a company every year, as individuals every year. And it really, especially the the detail behind what we mean with each of those, it really plays out in how we treat one another and and who the company is. Um, And the be of service one is important too, because Yes, we want to do great work. We do great work. But we're also trying to be an, an example of what a company can look like when people from all different backgrounds, you know, all different interests, all different, you name it, work together for a common cause, treat each other fairly, openly, honestly, equally. We're trying to be an example of what that can look like, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is really worthwhile. Uh, and and uh, yeah, so the core values are, are, are a big piece for us. And and. Uh, like I say, you know, I never claim that that every one of us is every one of those things every day, but we sure try and, and, and we mean what we say. Yeah. And that I mean, you guys have been recognized as a top workplace in the in the Philadelphia area. I know that you guys have been um, recognized as fastest growing companies, both in Inc. 500 and, and some of those other uh, publications. Um, do you think a lot of the things that, as you've just discussed, were kind of the key to that that quick growth, or, or were there other areas that you you could speak to as well? Um, yeah, I think those things. Well, I mean, like you know, the the other piece of it, obviously, is that um, you know, back to the piece about kind of what those long term partnerships look like. The the important thing that that speaks to is that you cannot have, especially for something that we do, which is really so subjective. I mean, there's a process that we can follow, right? But design and development work is subjective. There's a lot of ways you can do it. There's a lot of solutions and mm-hmm. You know, when you sit in front of somebody and say, we're going to help you do X, that that X is often, you know, something that's, wow, is that is that possible? It seems risky. We don't know for sure it's going to work. But if you've got relationships with people, and most of ours, ours are, that are three, four, five, 14 years long, the only 
the only way you that that that, that can happen is because you actually were able to do what you said you were going to do. Mm-hmm. And so the culture is important. Um, you know, our history is important. Where we get the talent from is is very important. And, and that's a differentiator as well. Yes, because it's not kind of like the big consulting firm mo- model where there's the A team and the B team. And we get asked that, hey, listen, I can't have the B team on this because this has got to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, that's good because there is no B team. Like Think Company <laughs> is the A team. Right. And just like the core values, it doesn't mean that it's easier to operate that way. It's it's actually harder, but it is far more rewarding to operate that way. And so all that stuff is great. But number one is that we do what we say we're going to do. And the work is awesome. And the people that we have working here, I mean, I, I pinch myself every day. They're like the most unbelievable, smart, awesome people I've ever known. And I say it internally all the time to people, like the scariest part of my job is when I have to stand up in front of Think Company and address those hundred people. Now they're a forgiving crowd, but they are the smartest people I've ever been around. So like I'll stand in front of a crowd of 500 and like not blank, but like I know these people and I know what they're capable of (laughs) and they're terrifying in their awesomeness, you know? So uh, yeah, I think that's all part of it. Yeah. And you guys have worked with some really big companies uh, in uh, not just in that area, but big around the the country. They're big companies. Um, Tell me, do you have any, like, I guess, customer success stories where you you feel like, and you don't have to name the customer necessarily, but just what, where you guys really kind of like were able to come in and do something different for them that really, I guess, was, was a huge success for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so a lot of that stuff. um, Yeah. I mean, it ranges, right. But, but Mm -hmm. when you talk about like, you know, transformative projects, um, a lot of those are the ones where we kind of start with something that they've defined as like, look, we we know we need to redo this intranet, or we know we need a medical information portal that's going to serve, you know, this population. They know, they typically know a certain thing, Mm -hmm. but then when we get in there and we start looking at not only the digital product, but we're looking at, like I said, people, process, product, and even in some cases, place, right? Like the whole thing. Um, And they're open to that kind of conversation. That's been some pretty transformative stuff. Um, Yeah, and it's things like, you know, uh, one of the folks that we worked on early on with, to speak of that medical information portal, um, it was one of the first times that there was a successful product put out there where doctors could actually search for off-label information and get a return. And not just be sent like a 50 page PDF. And it's like, yeah, your, your information's in there somewhere. Yeah. Like that, that, that process and that workflow was super broken. Mm. And, 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 you know, and by working with the doctors and finding out what they needed, it was like, look, they're going to go to whoever is providing this to them and having excuses for why we can't do it. Nobody cares. They're going to go to who can provide it. So let's figure out how to do this. And it was, you know, getting into rooms where previously no vendor in quotes had been allowed. So we were in the legal sessions. We were in the compliance sessions. We were handing markers to those folks and getting them up and let's draw on the board. Don't just say no. And then wait for mm-hmm. us to come back three weeks from now. Let's right now solve this. Um, and that was really transformative in terms of process. And it, and that actually has changed that organization going forward. And that's not uncommon when we work with, with folks like, in, like really kind of you know, a little bit of the teaching them to fish and showing them some process. And, and, uh, and that is not to say like, we do not have like that madman mentality where we're going to come in and it's like, Hey, we're, we know everything, you know, nothing, sit down. That is not us. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we say in fact is look, we're the best at what we do, but you are the best at what you do. 
And the best result comes from us working shoulder to shoulder, not one pontificating to the other. And if we can teach each other throughout, that's, that's where the good stuff is. Yeah. And you guys specialize in creating experiences. I, I, you know, know from whether that's through applications that are being used or the user experience, the customer experience, uh, you guys kind of touch all aspects of that from that digital space. Um, how important is experience, I guess, when it comes to these types of things? And you mentioned like the, um, and this is just this coming from a personal perspective here, you yeah. mentioned the medical portals and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, most people come away from those types of interactions with a, with a bad experience often. Oh. What do you think um, is the key to kind of creating the right kind of customer experience? I may differ for industry, but what do you, what do you think are some key uh, key ingredients of a good customer experience? Yeah. Well, first of all, when you said how how important is experience? Like yeah. experience is everything. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. these old adages that we used to hear people say in the digital space, like if we build it, they will come. That is not true. Mm-hmm. In fact, what is true is that if your experience is terrible, they are going to go somewhere to mitigate that. Mm-hmm. They, the, the loyalty is not there. And the old like cool for cool sake in the digital space. No. Right. I mean, a lot of what we do is really cool, but it's cool because it works mm-hmm. and it's intuitive and it's frictionless because people, they, especially now, like they've just lost to your point, they've lost the patience for like the whiz bang stuff that like, yeah, but what is this telling me? Or this is so hard to use, or this is a terrible experience. Right. Um, when you talk about like, what's the key to unlock that? There's a, there's a bunch, but the most important would be that, you know, again, we go back to the fact that we're all human beings and as human beings, we all have ego and we all have bias. And that includes clients, that includes designers, that include no matter how close you are to the content or the thing that you're doing, you've got ego and bias. And so one of the most important things you could do is try to, through tried and true methods that don't lead people and are as objective as possible, get a true objective understanding of who these folks are in your target audience and the various archetypes within, right? What are their true wants, needs, pain points, challenges, current workflows? What is that really? Not just what you want it to be because of the thing you're trying to sell them mm-hmm. or, or what you want to project on them or projecting your own workflows because it is loaded with bias. And a lot of things that we see fail are because, you know, people, they look at Steve Jobs and these other like unicorn uh, examples from the past and they think they can replicate that. Like that's not the tried and true way to replicate it. It's not that it can't happen, but there's a reason why they call those things unicorns. It's because Mm -hmm. they usually don't. And most people don't have a stomach for, for spending a lot of money and it doesn't work. So Mm -hmm. if, if, if you want to make it work, there is actually a process to mitigate your risk. And that's to do this research and truly understand who these folks are, because amazingly, it tells you that story. You know, mm-hmm. when you know objectively what the, all those things are that I listed, you can pretty easily do the photo negative of each of those and go, okay, well, if that's a pain point now, what does it look like for that to be addressed and then you can paint that picture and then you can do that for every all those archetypes and paint that full picture. And it's a pretty rare occasion that an executive doesn't look at that and that that picture of the future and go, whoa, that would be awesome. What does it look like to do that? Mm-hmm. And that's when the strategy piece comes in. Like, yeah, to do that, here's everything we need to do. It's probably going to take this long. Let's prioritize it. You know, where are we going to get the most bang for the buck? Where are we going to earn the right to continue and spend more money? All of those kinds of things. 
Yeah. And you guys can help with that research and strategy, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one what of the things do. you do. Yeah. Yeah. So tell, tell folks how they can find you and where you are on the internet and that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure thing. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. We're at thinkcompany.com, one word, thinkcompany.com. And, and it's real easy right from there to reach out to us uh, with whatever challenges you might have. Or, and, and also we're always doing all kinds of webinars and education and, uh, and, and putting things out there to help people just in general. So it's, it's pretty easy to find us if you're interested. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending the time with us this afternoon and telling us uh, all this some really good advice on, on how to, how to better, better create customer experience. Yeah. Happy to. Thank you, Jeff. All right. And thank you for listening to another episode of what makes them tip innovations that changed everything. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to our show, What Makes Them Tip, Innovations That Changed Everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arcalea.com slash guest and a small request. If you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag Arcalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.